Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm honored to welcome back to the program the founder and executive director of Manhood Journey, who is also the co-author of a great new book called Bring Your Hammer, 28 Tools Dads Can Grab from the Book of Nehemiah, Mr. Kent Evans. How are you doing, Kent? I'm doing great, Clay. Thank you for the chance to come back. Well, it's going to be fun. Uh, I always enjoy talking with you. It was great to see you just uh, recently when I came to Louisville there. And, yeah. Uh, thanks for introducing me to Million Dollar Bacon. That was... <laughs> <laughs> you know, your life was incomplete until last week. That's good stuff. I bought some uh, maple syrup to try to make my own million dollar bacon. And today I want to talk to you about your new book. And I also want to ask you about uh, Manhood Journey and get some updates from you. You were on the program a while back uh, talking specifically about Manhood Journey, but a lot has happened since then. So I want to catch up on that as you have time. But let's start with the new book. What inspired you to write Bring Your Hammer? It was probably about five years ago, I was reading through the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And I remember that thing about our brains where if you, if you go buy a red car, eventually you start noticing all these red cars on the road, right? And it's not because they weren't there before. It's just because a switch in your brain flipped and now you start noticing the red cars. And that's like me and fatherhood. So now anytime, partly because I'm a dad and partly because I lead a ministry that's aimed at fatherhood, but Anytime I read something or see something, I'm like, oh, look, another fatherhood lesson. And my wife's always laughing, going, well, you know, you may be manufacturing that. But as I read through Nehemiah, it just looked like there were dozens and dozens of lessons for dads in the in the book, even though Nehemiah is not himself a dad that we know of. It's not a fatherhood book necessarily, but it is a leadership book. And so as I read through Nehemiah, I was making all these notes in the margin about, oh, that's a good lesson for me as a dad. That's a good lesson for me as a dad. And eventually those compiled themselves into a book uh, outline. And then I uh, recruited a good friend of mine in Houston, Eric Ballard, to help me co-author the book. So that was the kind of the Genesis story. That's great. And it's a really good read. Uh, and it's, its structure uh, becomes really obvious because of the, the way you've got it outlined there with these 28 different lessons. Uh, it looks like you and Eric sort of tag teamed those. How did you decide who was going to tackle what topics? Oh, that's a good question. I was, I had written the outline and I knew kind of roughly what the 28 or 29 chapters in the original should, should be. And then I wrote the first four or five chapters and it sat for months and it just sat in my word document. And I thought, man, I need something to continue this momentum. So I reached out to Eric and we looked at the next 20 chapters plus or minus and they were kind of like jump balls. We had a conversation about, oh, I'd like to take that one. I'll take that one. And so I think I did three or four more, maybe five. Maybe I did a total of eight or so or nine. And Eric did about 20. And he's a really gifted writer. He did a great job. And uh, there were some where he had a unique life story that fit really well with the, the chapter. And so he took those. And then there were a couple others in the middle we kind of tossed a coin for. Yeah. So for listeners who maybe haven't... Uh looked at Nehemiah in a long time, we're not familiar with the story. This is the one where 
the guy who was cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, uh, hears that his people back in Judah and Jerusalem uh, are in distress and the walls of the city are torn down and the gates are burning. And he decides he's got to go back and rebuild the walls. So uh, that's, that's the story of Nehemiah. And of course, having a huge audacious goal like that is the kind of thing that sets him off on a journey that then you, Kent, and Eric were able to start drawing these lessons. So when you were reading it and this inspiration came to you, uh, can you remember what was the first one that you thought, well, this is the lesson I need? Uh, mm. Probably the very first one was a lot of um, the history of the Old Testament. You have to piece together with different sources. And so you have to see this thing and that thing and you piece it together every now and then there is a very, very specific outline of say a timeline or sequence of events that makes something really obvious. And so in the book of Nehemiah, when uh, Nehemiah's brother comes to visit him, the book of Nehemiah tells you what month had happened in what year of the reign of Artaxerxes. Then the next big sort of plot that point that happens is Nehemiah talks to the king about maybe leaving. Uh, it also tells you when that happens. And what I find very interesting is the, there was about a five-month period, if memory serves me, and Nehemiah was a busy bee in those five months. He had put together a lot of thinking and a lot of assessment of what he wanted to do when he met with the king. And so that was the first plot point that jumped out at me is because so many dads are kind of drifting through their fatherhood and they're just, you know, next stop on the road, next stop on the road. And, and I understand that, but Nehemiah was extremely strategic. He used that five month period to be very, very intentional about what he wanted, what he would need and what he intended to do. And that was probably the first thing that jumped out at me. That's really good. And I can see for anyone, whether in their role as a dad or uh, even, you know, just working a, an important job, anything they're doing, uh, planning is important. And I liked how you pointed out there in those five months, we don't know what Nehemiah was doing, but we see he must have obviously been doing a lot of strategic planning because when the king looks at him and like, what's up? Why are you so sad? Uh, he tells him, okay, now, now I'm going to tell you about my folks back here that are in distress and I'm going to ask you for help. And he's got it all lined up. He's like, I'm going to need this long. I'm going to need this equipment. I need your authority King to pass through these other lands and also to get the timber I'm going to need and all these things. So, uh, he, he got ready to answer the questions. And, uh, so that, that really is good. I can see how it would stick out first. Um, and that's, really important for anybody doing any big job uh you, you fail if you don't have a plan that's i mean things don't just happen because we wish they would uh yeah right right that's exactly right well you're talking about mature thinking and wise leadership i noticed that in our culture modern media and entertainment products tend to paint fathers almost in a stereotypically poor light. Uh, they're like helpless buffoons and we laugh at them. Now, does that have any impact you think on the men in America, Kent, or do you think most men just laugh that off? Um, 
I, I really think it does have a significant impact. Um, uh, and I, I kind of uh, push it back to a place, Clay, where uh, a few years ago, I was having a cup of coffee with a gentleman who had served as the president of a Christian university for more than 30 years. We were having a conversation about fatherhood and how it has long been under attack from our enemy. And as we were having this conversation, and he outweighs me by tons in terms of Bible knowledge, and so we were comparing these biblical stories and looking at it, and one of the reasons that we concluded why fatherhood is under such attack is because it most closely resembles the picture we have of God. So in the New Testament, Jesus said more than 160 times, my father, my father, my father, your father, your father. And he kept using this phrase, the father, which we see almost no reference to in the Old Testament ever. And so God wants to be known as our father primarily. And so the war on fatherhood has always been afoot. Like it's not brand new. It's not 2022. It's not American. It's, it's always there's been a problem because Satan wants to own the picture of fatherhood. And so if he can get dads to be convinced that they are insignificant or unimportant, or they're just bumbling fools, um, then he has a major strategic advantage. And we, we as a society start to uh, erode this idea of fatherhood. Even today in our, all this gender confusion and all this thing, you can't say man or woman, you know, all these things that are happening these days are, I think, part of that ongoing battle ongoing battle that Satan has uh, decided to wage against God, the father and the image of fatherhood in general, it's always been under attack. Yes. You know, that, that really is great, Kent. And uh, it answers another question I was going to ask you about why you think our culture is doing this. And mm. I think the answer that you're given is uh, the inspiration for this attack on fatherhood uh, is satanic, literally, yeah. in the bigger picture, uh, Satan is waging war against God's plans, and God's plan is to draw us into relationship with himself, and so Satan wants to get in the way of that. And our pastor at church has been taking us through the book of Job, which uh, is a tough one, but like Revelation and maybe Daniel, we get in Job, a bigger picture besides just what's happening on earth, we get to see what's happening in the heavenly realm. Mm. Uh, and in Job, you know, Satan's like, Hey God, uh, this guy, Job only loves you cause you give him good stuff, take it away and he'll yep. curse you. And we see Satan scheming and, but he, he also, <laughs> right. uh, points out to us, uh, Satan can't do, you know, he's, he's still under, uh, God's authority and he yeah. knows it and he hates it. So when we're going through these struggles, then it's got to be the case that we can triumph over them because yeah, right. we can align with the victor. God will win. Yes. So we need to get on his team. We want to be yeah. on the winning team. That's really good stuff. And in some ways, Clay, it's not brand new, right? In other words, like fatherhood's always been under attack. Marriage is under attack. Is marriage under attack because, you know, uh, Satan doesn't like people to be married. I mean, partly, however, mainly it's because marriage is a picture of the gospel, 
over and over again. Jesus calls himself the bridegroom and we're the bride. And there's this picture of the gospel that's evident in marriage. So Satan wants to destroy that, right? So it, as we see that, you see these forces, these, these wars being waged on things like fatherhood and marriage and other things are not brand new. And they have a spiritual underpinning. And that means they'll probably be around for a long time, uh, at least until Jesus comes back and then we'll be okay. Yes, sir. Well, that makes your book, Bring Your Hammer, really vital. Uh, and I would say vital for more than just dads. Uh, I got a lot out of it, of course. Uh, and thank you for sending it to me and uh, helping me prepare a lesson to provide at church uh, based on your book. Uh, and I'm not a dad. But uh, it's, it's just great truths to observe that you point out and Eric point out in this book. And when it can help us focus on the fact that there's always a bigger picture that we don't see, but is happening, uh, that's so valuable. And Satan is always, always attacking us. We don't always feel it. We don't always see it. But God told us he's out there like a roaring lion, just waiting to find someone he can devour. And when Satan can get us separated from our relationship with God, then that's just like how a line, okay, I'm going to separate you from the, the herd. <laughs> All right. And now I got you. So we got to stay connected Absolutely. to these truths. And your book is a really great way to be brought back into uh, a reminder of how we relate to God. Well, what were some of the other key elements when you were going through, you said you shelved this thing for months. Uh, yeah. What were some of the key elements in developing the book? How did, how did you wrap it up and yeah. Well, one of the things we tried to do because the book uh, is aimed at, generally speaking, a male audience um, who may already be fathers, although I would say to your point, if if you're a, a woman or you're even an 18 year old guy, you know, the lessons in this book are for all of us because it's really a book about God, the father, even though it kind of masquerades as a book about earthly fathers. It's a book about God, the father, because Nehemiah wasn't a dad that we know of. So his his attributes that look fatherly and look appropriate for dads are really just attributes of God, the father, but there, but even so we know a lot more men will read it probably than any other demographic. So one of the things we decided to do was make the chapters really short. I think every chapter you can actually read in about oh, six, seven minutes. If you're a quick reader, 10 to 12, if you're a slow reader. And we did that on purpose. Uh, we could have had 14 chapters. Each had two lessons in them. Right. But we decided to break it up into these bite-sized chunks just to make the book have a little more pace and be easy to read. So if you're someone listening to the podcast and you don't have a lot of time for reading, but the content sounds interesting, well, then we built it for you because in you know, 10 minutes a day, you can have this book knocked out in a month without, without even uh, breaking a sweat. That was one of the things. And the other was we wanted to make it, um, uh, what's the right word, Clay, common language or, or, uh, or fun or enjoyable. Um, if you were to sit down and have coffee with me and Eric, uh, we cut up a lot. We laugh a lot. He and I have a lot of fun together. And one of the things we tried to uh, capture in the creation of the book is some of that fun. So I was telling Eric all the time, tell a story, tell a story. Same, same with me. Tell a story when this happened or was fun. And we, we get into some serious issues, no question in the book, but we also try to have some fun because, you know, motherhood, fatherhood is hard. Um, and there's enough, uh, enough weight we all got to carry around every day as moms and dads and husbands and wives. 
So we tried to make the book a bit of a respite from some of the heaviness of what is inherent in the fatherhood puzzle. Well, you succeeded in that. And I caught all of what you were putting out there uh, in terms of the way you just described it. So uh, good job. It does communicate effectively and it does uh, feel light enough to get you through the serious topics that you're, uh, you're bringing on there. Um, well, along with this book, Bring Your Hammer, and your previous book, Wise Guys, uh, I want to turn the topic now back to your uh, organization, Manhood Journey. Um, what other kind of resources do you provide and do you have on offer mm. for folks with Manhood Journey? Yeah, the vast majority, and thanks in part to organizations like the Carson Meyer Foundation, we're able to provide a lot of our resources for free. We do have some things like digital courses that we sell so that we can help offset some of our need for fundraising, but a ton of our resources are free. So as an example, we publish a weekly newsletter for dads called Mountain Monday. And the reason we call it that is because, you know, some weeks it can feel like you're climbing a mountain as a dad, and we want to help you up that mountain. And that's all free. We have blog posts every week that are on topics that we intentionally selected from surveys that dad sent us. We try to have really topically appropriate uh, blog posts. Uh, we have a podcast called the father on purpose podcast that we are just about to hit our one year anniversary of. Uh, we just recorded our 52nd uh, uh, show. Um, so we release every week. So we have podcasts, we have eBooks, we have Bible studies, we have um, the weekly newsletter. We have uh, one of our more robust tools lately. We've had maybe 1,500 dads take the godly father assessment or the godly dad quiz where they can know where they are as a dad. They can know where they are right now and how to make progress going forward as a dad. And um, we hope those resources help dads turn this knob where they go from being a delegator of discipleship to being an intentional discipler themselves. I once had a guy ask me one time, um, a Christian ministry leader, he goes, what do you hope Manhood Journey accomplishes? And I told him, I said, Rob, we just want to help dads become disciple makers. Our focus is helping dads do that because we believe it's a really, really big stick that we can leverage society and culture with if we can get enough dads in on the play. That reminds me of... Uh not an actual biological father relationship, but Paul and Timothy in the New Testament, uh, right? He, Paul made a disciple out of Timothy who he treated like a son. And that's a really good model, uh, the way that he communicated and happily uh, they wrote it down and we get to, to read what their heart was in that. Uh, do you find good lessons like that that you are, are able to translate into the modern times? Yeah, because in the end, it's a bit ecclesiastical, right? There's kind of nothing new under the sun. The model for discipleship, the, the model for uh, treating those that we're bringing along in the faith as if they are our spiritual children, um, that's not brand new, right? That's basically how Jesus walked with the 12. It's how Paul walked with his colleagues in the first century church establishment. Um, and it's how every good discipleship model always has a small core. Jesus had his 12, he had his three, he had his 70, he had his 300. Uh, he had different kind of concentric circles of those he was influencing. And the one thing that is very interesting to me, Clay, is when you look at, for example, for example, on this topic, when you look at the growth of world religions, as an example, and a lot of uh, researchers will 
tell you that by 2050, the dominant world religion should probably be Islam um, if nothing changes, if the trends continue, that there will be more uh, Islamic believers and more Muslims than there will be Christians for probably the first time in recorded history. That's the way that it will be. And what's very interesting about that is if you dig into the models, the financial, not financial, the economic, the uh, projections, the numbers, and you look at the factors driving world religious growth, one of the core factors is the birth rate in homes. The, one of the core statistical factors is the birth rate in homes. And why is that? Because we tend to reproduce disciples in our homes of whatever maybe we're re reproducing UK fans, right? Maybe we're reproducing Republicans, maybe we're reproducing whatever we might be. We tend to reproduce that in our homes. That's not always true, but that's one of the strategies that other world religions have adopted in order to expand their religion is to have more children at home. Uh, you can look at countries where the birth rate in some Muslim homes is three or four. And com by comparison, it may be one or one and a half for the Christian homes nearby. And that's not on accident. That's not because they just so happen to have more kids. Intentionally, they want to birth kids at a faster rate so that they can dominate the religious scene without ever having lifted a, lifting a sword. It's such a great lesson for us to learn in the church that discipleship begins at home. It always has, and it always will. And so the degree to which Moms and dads are in on this play of discipling is really the degree to which the church will thrive or not thrive into the future. That's a really good lesson. Uh, unfortunately, the Islamists in some places are willing to pick up the sword uh, to get their way. And uh, we hope that they get less and less radical as these times go on. But uh, you mentioned the UK fandom. And of course I am one uh, this morning, uh, we're recording this on uh, Friday. The what is today? The sixteenth, seventeenth, seventeenth of yeah. June. Uh, a University of Kentucky basketball hero, Mike Pratt, uh, passed away, and uh, so everybody who loved Mike, uh, we're wishing you blessings of comfort. He was the mm. uh, radio color commentator. Uh, my yeah. dream job, actually. God bless Mike Pratt, his family, and loved ones. Well, as we wrap up today, Kent, about Manhood Journey, what's on the horizon for you guys? Uh, what are you looking forward to? Where are your areas of growth or any new projects you've got going on? Yeah, a couple of the new things that we're doing is we are exploring partnerships as it relates to publishing and content production. And what that allows us to do is reach more dads while uh, not increasing our own internal budget. So that's one of the fun things that we're doing. We have a partnership with a gentleman out of Little Rock that a lot of things will release in the coming six to 12 months publicly about that. We're excited about that. We're also really excited about the digital growth that we've seen. Uh, as an example, we recently released a brand new reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app uh, called the Anger Free Dad because we've had thousands of dads, literally thousands, tell us that one of their big struggles is with anger. And so the recent reading plan we released maybe only six, seven weeks ago has already been completed by about 1500 dads in just about five or six weeks. And it's been started by almost 4,000. So what that'll tell us is it's a lot of traction early. So this year we may have as many as 10, 20,000 dads complete that reading plan. 
uh, even by December. And so as we start to drop content out for dads, that gets us really excited because we can reach thousands and thousands of dads uh, without necessarily having to go and double or triple our operating budget. Uh, so those are areas where we can borrow the audience of the Uversion Bible app and uh, let those dads learn and grow. We can borrow the audience of other authors and speakers uh, and let those things grow. And so for us, we're trying to find ways to do that because our focus, Clay, isn't necessarily on building a bigger and bigger ministry ourselves. Well, why not, right? Sure, let's have more budget and more reach. However, as we do that, we also want to invest strategically in other people who are doing great kingdom building work because, you know, a rising tide raises all ship. And I don't really care if manhood journey is known or remembered or important. I just care if God's work gets done. So we're just trying to be faithful in this season and we're finding a lot of traction through partners and other outlets that have us really excited. Amen. There's no limit to the good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Ronald um, Reagan. Is that Ronald Reagan? I, I believe it was. Uh, and uh, they made us memorize that quote at the Air Force Academy. I should know exactly who said it. I think it was Reagan, uh, one of my favorites as well. Um, but that that really is good. That's mature uh, outlook as well. And we love synergy, uh, people working together uh, or leveraging other resources. Uh, that is really terrific. And it doesn't just uh, add on to the the good outcome it multiplies it so really great stuff yeah. congratulations kent that's uh, super and we're cheering you on to great success uh, because your success is kingdom success uh, this is bringing folks closer into relationship with god uh, so thank you for that well and we're super grateful for the support of you and the foundation and others that have uh, enabled us to do it man we couldn't do it without your help well, thank you very much. Uh, God bless and have a great day. Thanks, Clay. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.